Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to the Keegan Odyssey, uh, part 39 or something. Um, just before we get into Kevin Keegan, you were about to tell me a little story there about the Isle of Wight, Sam. So we might as well just put that into this episode. Well, I feel and bad about tennis on there. Even more. I feel bad about tennis on there, but then again, when's that ever stopped, mate? Now, we were just <laughs> talking about pub quizzes, because yeah. you're off to a pub quiz in a gym, right? Apparently, yeah. And you're going to probably miss the Europa League final. <laughs> yeah, because that's how good it uh, is. We are recording this on the day of the 2019 Europa League final, Chelsea versus Arsenal, which I think about one Chelsea fan and two Gooners have bothered to go out to. And yeah. frankly, who can, who can blame them, I suppose. But, um, yeah, my, my mum, I was telling you, my mum uh, became really good friends with her neighbours in the Isle of Wight. My mum's got a little cottage that she goes to quite a lot in the Isle of Wight. Yeah. And um, she's become good friends with the with the couple who live next door. Is, and can can re- I just stop you there? Is there any chance of her letting this cottage out to Iron Fire and Society members at a reduced rate in the future? None. <laughs> The thing is, if you put that directly to my mum, she'd probably say yes, but I don't want to open that can of worms. Plus, as you know, I use it a great deal and I don't want other IFS members interfering. I mean, you can use it. You can use it, mate. I can swing it for you, but none of the others. Maybe that, like, possibly Lewis from Red Barn Farm Farm or whatever it's called. Yeah. And we've, we've, we've um, got, but think, other than him, no. I think we've got a hermit as well. Someone's applied to be the hermit for the podcast. I've seen that. He'll be able to go there now and again. Well, but that doesn't really... That, that's not going to fit in with his work of uh, hermiting. Hermits can't person, go on he? holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's Fair already enough. breaking the rules if he started asking yeah. about... Yeah, I can start as your hermit next week, but um, <laughs> I might as well put, put my uh, holiday application in now. Because I got two weeks lined up in the Isle of Wight next month. Yeah, but is he not allowed? Is he not allowed some like a hermit and break somewhere as long as he carries no. on hermit and when he's there? No, you can't hermit unless you stay in the same place. Okay, fair he's enough. gonna he's got to break cover to just get on the aeroplane and go somewhere. Yeah, I just thought there'd know. be a bit of give and take with modern hermiting. No. You know, no, 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 right. no anyway, way. We're we're doing where, old school hermiting. Where were we? Anyway, basically, cut long story short, she became friends when she first started going to this cottage. She became friends with a couple next door. That's lovely and also convenient because it means when she's not about, they keep an eye on things for her. And then they said to her when they they were becoming closer mates, and they said, "Oh, you should come to the pub quiz we go to. Right. You'll really like it." And my mum said, "Oh, that sounds nice." You know, my mum's so friendly and, and polite and all the rest of it. She went, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love to come." So she was telling me all about it because she knows I like a quiz. And she was, you know, she was on the phone going, oh, I'm going off with, uh, I can't say their names. I'm going <laughs> off with the neighbours tonight we're, um, to uh, you, uh, the pub you, quiz. You, you will say their name at some point and I will bleep it. <laughs> mm. Okay, their this. name is Mike and Val, right? 
which is good. It's good names, isn't it? Oh, fucking hell. Mike More and Val work, from thanks. next door. They go, right, Mike and Val have invited me out to a pub quiz. Stop I said, saying the name. Nice. St- no, stop what? saying the name, because I've got to put bleeps right. in every time you Just say it. Just leave it in. It's fine. It's fine. They won't sue me. And I go, um, oh, that's nice. What pub is it, Mum? Oh, I don't know. They haven't said, but it's not in our village. It's in another village. I go, all right. Fucking hell, she gets there, right? It's not a pub at all. It's the fucking local conservative oh, party association building. Power player. <laughs> but to them, it's normal. They didn't think for a moment. I mean, my mum thought, oh, fuck me. But she's so polite. She just sort of went, oh, 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 this is, yes, okay, fine. <laughs> and she went in there and just sort of kept sure. I don't think she answered any questions. I think she just sort of held her breath for the, just for, for the whole two hours. Yeah. But now she's she's been back again, and you know it's an ethical dilemma. Mm. And I'm sure some of the people listening to this podcast, mate, might even be Conservative Party supporters themselves. I'm sure so. we've got one or two. I'm, we've definitely got some fucking UKIPs. <laughs> so they're listening to this, thinking, "What's the fucking big deal, you what, you dickheads?" But to my mum, it would have been quite a big deal, and to me, it would have been as well. But anyway, she got tricked into going into a Conservative club. For a, for a quiz. that's how they do it, though, isn't it? That's how they that's how they lure you in. By yeah, deceit. it's very much how they like the Jehovah's the Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. same sort of deal, isn't it? All those Pretty cults much. you get as well. It's how Charles Manson operated. Yeah, wasn't he started it? a pub quiz up, didn't he? And then he got <laughs> he got started all his, inviting um, all the Hollywood celebrities. Yeah, along. what was what was what she called? Squeaky From. That was one of them, wasn't it? Yeah, Squeaky From used to do the quiz. She used to mm. MC the quiz, and um, yeah, he just recruited them that way. Because he offered really good prizes. It round like... three. Round three is the picture round. <laughs> I'm going to hand round some bad photocopies of celebrities when they were kids. And you got to guess which celebrity it is. And then we're going to go around their houses and we're going to slay them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that's <clears throat> pub quizzing. Yeah. But back to Keegan. Yeah, we should get back to Keegan. <clears throat> We've strayed somehow into the Manson murders. That's probably mm. a different podcast series for the future. But, um, yeah, Kevin Keegan. Uh, it wasn't going well for him at Newcastle. He was trying to save them from relegation, but he felt like he'd been lied to a little bit by Sir John Hall in terms of how much money was available for transfers. Uh, and just Sir John Hall had said, you can have £1 million. <laughs> <clears throat> but then uh, he, he balked at the idea of shelling out 90000 for Darren McDonough from Luton. So... Kev says, I felt misled. I saw it as a personal betrayal. And when I explained the background to Terry McDermott, I told him I would have to leave if it turned out Sir John had lured me to the club on a false promise. Of course, as we mentioned in the last episode, McDermott was gutted by this because all he had to go back to was the burger van at Aintree Races. He was worried that the burger meat he'd left behind was going to go off by yeah. the time he quit. So he was disappointed by the whole thing. It was probably quite long-lasting meat that he had. Are you fucking having me on here, Double K? <laughs> Tell me this is another one of your fucking jokes. <laughs> You're telling me we're going to have to fleece in James's park? Um, but then, you know, uh, ultimatum time. Kev says Sir John had to keep his promises or he could explain to the major why I had quit. So Kev and Terry Mack decided this enough was enough. They weren't going to stand for being pissed about. Um, this is a classic Keegan move, isn't it? Keegan yeah. loves an ultimatum. Of course, he just loves the drama. He does anything yeah. he, can, he can generate drama from. He yeah. loves it. 
Um, I respect that in him. Of course, well, of course we do. Um, yeah. He says we plan to leave on thirteenth of March, the day before we played Swindon at St James's Park. No mention of a helicopter. He says we were on the road when Terry announced that it didn't feel right. <clears throat> I mean, this it don't this feel one. right. <laughs> Got a funny feeling in me, Walter Kev. <laughs> um, this is this was a fate accompli. Basically, he says we checked out of our hotel, paid all our extras. I can't imagine. <laughs> There's no turning back now. I've already paid the extras. <laughs> I paid the full lot. And for Terry's as well. Terry, Terry. <laughs> Mini bar. T- Terry, you've got a lot of listings here on the on the, uh, on the the invoice for uh, pay-per-view videos. What are they? What have you been watching? Oh, oh the- yeah. F- I can explain that. <laughs> it's a bit of exotica that I watched to help me get off the kip on night. Because I miss Liverpool, you know. So uh, I get dead sad at night time, so I put on the old Exotica and it, and it just sort of helps me drift off a bit. Exotica? You know, it exotica. distracts me mind seeing all the lasses doing all the Exoticas, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Exotica? I don't know what you're talking about, Ter- Terry Mack. What's that, like hula hula dancing, something like that? <laughs> yeah, like that, 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 yeah, like that from yeah. Hawaii. <laughs> My jeans not the exotic type, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I love her to bits, <laughs> but she's rather more conventional than that. She's very um. How can I put it? Four four two. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> sort of meat and two veg, as opposed to you know paella. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we checked out of our hotel. The plan was to drop Terry off in Liverpool, and then I was going to turn south and get back to my family in Hampshire. But Terry persuaded me to pull over, and we sat and discussed it in a nearby hidden bridge. <laughs> Double K, do us a favour, pull over in this lay-by up here. <laughs> Why, Terry? I don't know. I've got a, I've got a bit of a version about pulling over in lay-bys now, Terry. After what happened down, down south, I don't want to get shunted in the mouth again. <laughs> don't want to get mouth rammed. No, worry, I'm not no, going to no, mouth ram you. Nothing Kev. like that. Don't worry, I'm not going to mouth ram you. You're all right with me, mate. I just want a chat. I just want a quick chat. I need to get my head straight on all of this. It's happening so quick. I don't think I'm ready to go back to the burger van yet. I think I I need to do whatever the fuck it takes to remain as an assistant manager at one of the top clubs in the country as opposed to being a man who runs a burger van at a race course. (laughs) Now... Is there anything you can think of, Double K, that can remedy this situation? <laughs> Terry, I appreciate the fact that you don't want to go back to the burger van. But I've been lied to by but Sir John Hall and it simply won't stand. I've got my principles. I live or die by them. Plus, I'm much more independently wealthy than you because of the uh, selection of commercial endorsements I engaged with over the years. Yeah, but, yeah, but Kev... I'm running a fucking burger van. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, I started out with nothing as well. You know, but then I had... <laughs> you got to remember, I had my brute contract, right? I had my lollies. I had my hit single with the Yugoslavs, right? Plus, I had the Green Cross Code adverts for the government. A lot of people, I think, I did that for free. Oh, contraire. I would pay the fucking packet for it. 
I said, if you want me to teach kids how to cross the fucking road without dying, I think that's got to be worth a few quid of taxpayers' money. I said, you could either pay up or have all them deaths on your conscience. It's up to you. And you can explain. You can go on the evening news and explain to people why those kiddies are dead. Right? You can say it's because we weren't prepared to pay a decent going rate to Double K, <laughs> who could have saved all them kiddies. It'll be carnage if I don't do this advert. <laughs> you won't be able to sleep at night. I will, though. So, as you can see, Teddy Mac, I started with now, but using my business acumen, I built up a, a, an independent wealth that now means I can just fuck off from any job <laughs> with no consequences whatsoever. <laughs> Unlike yourself. But it's something for you to aspire to, isn't it? <laughs> Terry's Terry's view was that it wasn't fair on the players for them to turn up before an important game and find the manager had gone. <laughs> yeah. That's the it's not me so much I'm worried about, Kev. It's more um, the players. Yeah, that's it. The players. I'm a bit worried about them because you know they they might feel a bit let down. Kev, plus there's no way that the government are going to get old Terry Mac to do Green Cross cold commercials. <laughs> I just don't have the same credibility. <laughs> Kev, Kev, you've got to think about these players who you've worked with for the last nine and a half weeks. <laughs> You're like a father them? figure to them. Yeah. <laughs> They're practically family. <laughs> this isn't the Scouts way. <laughs> Don't make me go back to that fucking burger van. Yeah, fucking selfish cunt. Sorry, Double K, I shouldn't have said that. I spoke out of turn. But you can understand I'm getting very emotional. Cut me and I bleed. Black and white. Wait, it is black and white they're playing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cut me and I bleed black and white. I just don't want to leave that great club with the greatest fans in the world. And I've just called through to Rain 3. And someone's fucked up with all my leftover mints, so I gotta start all over again from scratch. <laughs> oh, turn back, Gaffer. He suggested, "Let's play the game, get it over with, and then we'll go." Yeah, all right, whatever. Pull a Yui. <laughs> get your hands off the wheel, Terry. <laughs> get off. I'm driving this vehicle. If you don't mind. Look, we're going back. Don't make me have to fucking mouth ram you. <laughs> <laughs> there are moments when you need a good man by your side someone who will give you the right advice and isn't afraid to tell you something you might not necessarily want to hear the players had worked their socks off for us and Terry was right they deserved better I just needed someone to point that out to me because I was so wrapped up in my own grievances did I want to work out on Newcastle <laughs> did I want to walk out on Newcastle after only I said nine and a half weeks there it wasn't it was 37 days <laughs> Five weeks and two days. Thirty-seven days, Kevin. Thirty-seven days. Those players have got to know you. I've got to love you. I've got to depend on you. You're gonna destroy everything they know about life. They're gonna if be, they wake up and you're not there. They're gonna be psychologically damaged for the rest of their lives. Um, I was I wasn't going to be anybody's fool, and I was still feeling aggrieved when I took my place in the dugout for the three-one win against Swindon the following day. Nothing had changed in my mind, and when I drove away that night, it was in the belief my time at the club was over. Terry and I shook hands. He told me it had been a great few weeks, and that if I ever fancied doing it again, to give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> That's been all right. This has. Do you fancy doing it again? Give us a buzz. 
if you fancy fancy running a football club for another 37 days sometime, give us a shout, because I'm up for it. <laughs> By the time I got home, the press had found out something was wrong, and there were reporters camped outside my house. I stayed inside waiting for Sir John to ring, and I was determined to show him what kind of person he was dealing with. All I wanted was for people to be straight with me, and I made that absolutely clear when Sir John rang the next morning. Fuck, Sir John's done a power play on him there. Kev's got home in the evening waiting for Sir John to ring. God God knows how long he stayed up till. He might have even just um, strayed into the Exotica channels. Keep himself awake. Oh, Jean's upstairs, she won't know. Just a little oh, one. maybe it's time for me to take a look at this Exotica that Terry keeps going on about. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, Ekin fuck. That is, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my goodness. What? I never knew that could even... I didn't oh. thought that were a thing. Oh, my what? fucking head's gone. Oh. Oh, Jesus. This is upsetting in, in the extreme. It's upsetting <laughs> and yet oddly compelling. I can't stop watching it. Why am I crying? <laughs> <laughs> so Sir John's rang him the next morning. Sir John sat there going, oh, he's fucked off, was he? I'll ring him. I'll ring him tomorrow. He can fucking wait. <laughs> Two-way power player. Jalapeño. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jalapeño. Sir John asked me to take a deep breath, accepted I had legitimate grievances, and promised it wouldn't happen again. He also made it clear I would get the transfer funds he had promised and that he was not in the business of telling key employees one thing than doing something completely different. Standard employees, you know, the unworking grunts, he'll tell them anything. But key employees, no. I'll I'll be honest with you, right? I will be honest with you. I do lie to some of the, uh, you know, the mid-level fellas. And I lie all the time to the lower downs, you know, the underlings. Because you have to, that's part of management. It's daily cycle of lies. But when it comes to your level and above... No lies, or no. you know, hardly any lies. Anyway, to be honest, when it comes to the underlings, I I lie purely for pleasure. Uh, <laughs> I, even if I don't need to lie to them, I lie to them. It's like a kind of a sport to me. Uh, I get yeah. a perverse sense of uh, pleasure out of it. It's so, like a hobby. I call it hobby lying. Some people like to watch Exotica to get their kicks. <laughs> me, I like to lie to low-paid workers who I know. <laughs> Their destiny is in my hands. 
and I lied to them. <laughs> lie, lie, lie. I don't care. I looked care. at them as like puppets, right? Yeah. Like, you know that, what's his name? Pinocchio, right? Funnily enough, he was a liar, wasn't he? But I don't see myself as him. <laughs> I see myself as Geppetto. What was the cunt that made him, right? <laughs> and he was the one what controlled his strings and all that. And I fucking loved that film. It's the canniest film I've ever seen, like. And I, I've always thought of myself as a sort of, you know, the football world's answer to Geppetto. And when I look at any of them underlings, right, I just see them as fucking wooden puppets, useless. <laughs> they cannot use their own limbs without my go-ahead. When I was a little lad, I used to watch a colony of ants running around and I'd get a magnifying glass and I'd hold it in the, the line of the sun and then the, the sun would refract through the magnifying glass onto the ants and they'd all start to sizzle. I kind of think of myself as the sun and the magnifying glass and them workers, they're all just the ants and if they sizzle because of my lies, well, that's nature. You know, it's like you know a nature what? documentary. The truth, right, the truth is the sun, right? But the magnifying glass, right, that's the lies, right? And that is what burns the ants, what are the people? And I am, uh, well, I suppose I'm me, holding the magnifying glass. Do you get what I'm saying, Kevin? I think so. I think so. Are you saying that I can go out and try to buy Kevin Sheedy from Everton? No, no, I haven't said that yet. No, no. Well, we're getting to that. <laughs> no, what you're I, missing what, the point. What, You've got to concentrate, Kev. What I think we need to think about now, Kevin, is the truth. And we need to ask ourselves, really, what is the truth, really, when you think about it? Your truth and my truth might be two different things. I might have said a million pounds, but in my mind, I might have just been thinking about a bath full of jelly babies, you know? <laughs> It's all different to different people. Well, I hope you won't, because there's no way Everton are going to accept that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could try. Sir John it's didn't bloody want unlikely. To, Sir John didn't want me to go. He made it absolutely clear we had to sort it out for the good of the club. There are only two people who can save Newcastle United, he said, and we are talking on the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are, aren't we? So who are the two people? <laughs> Uh, and now, as part of this conversation on the telephone, you are going to reveal the identities of the two people. I, no, hang on, let me guess. Is one of them Terry Mack? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell you, if Terry Mack is not on that list of two, then I think you need to revise it. <laughs> he sounded sincere, and from that day on, Sir John knew that as long as he kept to his word, he wouldn't have any problem with me. The ground rules were in place now. The air was clear. And I knew above all that what he said was fundamentally true. It was for the two of us to save Newcastle. And there was plenty to save I as well. I felt like Banana Man. <laughs> At that moment, I felt just like Eric when he ate a banana and became Banana Man. <laughs> There was an awful lot need to be put right. To begin with, Newcastle wouldn't even let the team have overnight stops for away trips if the alternative was to save a few quid by travelling on the day of games. I told the club this was unacceptable and over time the policy changed. I can remember a night game at Cambridge when we were tipped out of our hotel rooms at 11am because the club hadn't asked for a late checkout. For the rest of the day we just hung around the hotel until it was time to set off for the stadium. Well, you know, fucking hell, so what? That's not a big deal. It's not that bad. God, it's just, plus, sitting, just sitting in the reception plus, or the lounge or whatever. 
I don't, if it's a, if it was a night game, yeah. they could have fucking just driven from Newcastle on the day. Yeah. To Ca- Newcastle to Cambridge. Four hours. Right, meet meet at the usual place, St James's Park, probably. Get on the coach, nine a.m. Yeah. Right. Three hours. Three, you could have left later. Hours. You could have left at lunchtime. You could have left. You don't need to be staying the night before if it's a night gate. The whole thing was bad logistics. Then you could have got up, you could have stayed the night after the game, got up and checked out early the next morning anyway. Who wants to hang around unless some of them wanted to go around looking at the old uh, colleges well, and it. the libraries you're, you're, and that? You're in Cambridge, it's 11am, you, you're in your leisure wear. Have a wander yeah. around Cambridge, have a look at some of the stuff. It's fucking loads to see. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you're not going to do any physical exertions or anything. God almighty. Teddy Mac, do you fancy, seeing as we got time in our hands, going for a punt up that river? <laughs> You know, like him. What's it, Brad? Have revisited. <laughs> oh, I've always fancied the life of an academic. <laughs> I've always said you were the cleverest bloke I've ever met, Kev. So maybe uh, you could, you could do that. You know, see all these fucking snot-nosed professors and student types wandering around here. It's a fucking joke. If we did a pub quiz against any of these cunts, you'd beat a man's down. <laughs> <laughs> quiz. You're probably right, Terry, but I haven't got time for that. We've got to prepare for the football match. <laughs> we won 2 0 in that game at Cambridge, and afterwards I passed their manager on the way to the press conference. I'd heard about John Beck, his tricks for unsettling opponents, and all the infamous stories about how he used to chuck buckets of icy water over his players. It was the first time I'd met him, and I stopped to introduce myself properly. We had a quick chat, shook hands, and then I went to speak to the journalists, thinking nothing more of it. Oh, I've missed a bit out here, sorry. But it turned it turned out that it wasn't actually John Beck. It was his assistant manager pretending to be John Beck. <laughs> but I got Fucking John Beck. Ke- surely Kev had shook hands with John Beck before this match. This is after the game. Surely he'd shook hands with John Beck before kickoff. Surely he'd seen him, you know, coming out of his dugout and shouting at his players and stuff like that and then shook hands afterwards. John Beck's tricks, though, are legendary, mate. Is, and jo- is John Beck a shapeshifter? That's what I'm asking you here. I wouldn't put anything past him. Because all the you tricks know, I went to, to see John Wick three last night, which right. was because it was my wedding anniversary. Um, so we went to see John very Wick nice. three. Congratulations! Mm. And John, thank you. And uh, John Wick. Apparently, I was reading up about it. John Wick is actually based on, on John, John Beck. Beck. <laughs> <laughs> it was originally supposed to be a John Beck. Um, you know, biopic. Yeah. But they couldn't get the rights. John Beck wouldn't release the rights to his own name, the estate of John Beck. Yeah. So they just changed it to John Wick. But other, And then they changed it from being in Cambridge to being in America. Right. But other than that, it's blow it's for blow. Thing. That's his life story. Is he a shapeshifter? He's a shapeshifter, yeah. Brilliant. Has John Beck now retired from public life, do we know? I think he is that, has. Is that yeah. why his, his affairs are dealt with by his estate? He's not dead, obviously, but he's retired. No, from but he life. he lives in a high security compound. Does he? Is he? Yeah, is he, in, is he in the Arizona desert. Would you describe uh, him as a hermit? Sort of like a hermit, yeah. bit like Howard Hughes as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like that, sort of a Howard Hughes is just was a hermit, just with cash. Yeah, is that uh, exactly right? Yeah. He's also um, he's a bit like, he's with a touch of Doctor Moreau because apparently he's. Um, Rumour has it that he now, within his desert compound, is experimenting with creating new life forms. Oh, wow. 
That's what he's nice got into since he left football. That could be one of our uh, spin-off episodes. We're going to go to Sealand. We're going to try and get on board Sealand, aren't we? But we could yeah. also try and break into John Beck's compound and have a look yeah. around. Part <laughs> <laughs> of those summer specials. Yeah, summer specials live from John Beck's Arizona compound. <laughs> it's exactly like the Radio 1 Roadshow. <laughs> He then talks about... You know how he said he'd been away from football for a while? He'd watched two live matches in seven years yeah. before he took over at Newcastle. He says, Another shock arrived when I had my first view of Steve Watson's throwing technique. Do you remember Steve <laughs> Watson's throwing technique? Yeah. He says, The crazy action where he would run towards the line, somersault through the air, and then catapult the ball forwards as he was coming down to land. The crowd loved it. Here we go. And having been out of the game for so many years, it did briefly cross my mind that maybe it was just the way people took throw-ins now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything, Double K. This is probably just one of the new innovations in the game, like having names on the back of your shirt. <laughs> they probably all do it like this now. Ugh. Apparently, not only do they do somersaults when they do throw-ins, they've changed it from three from two points for a win to three points. <laughs> It was explained to me this was Steve's party piece. It still makes me laugh to this day to think of him flying through the air like an Olympic gymnast. But I found it difficult to be enthusiastic at the time. Oh, he just lays into Steve Watson here. Oh, God. Um, He says, I saw it as a gimmick. And the fact it was so popular with the fans getting a loud cheer every time seemed to me just another sign of how far Newcastle had fallen. Just briefly, that um, being out of football for so long that you don't know the like the basics and how things have changed. Yeah, I witnessed that the other day because I saw um, my old friend, bit of a cult legend amongst the counters, um, Pancho from the Flats at right, the weekend. Yeah. And Pancho from the Flats told me uh, he said I've got really into football recently, and I said, "Really, Pancho?" I said, "You were never a massive football fan." He goes, "Oh, I am now. I'm really super into it." I said, yeah, I remember you, because he's a QPR fan, right? And I said, yeah, you used to sometimes go to QPR, but like that was back when like we were kids, right? Going back to like the early 80s or something. And he's gone, yeah, yeah, but I am... He goes, yeah, and then I didn't go for years, but I'm so into QPR again now. And I went, really? He goes, yeah, I love it. Can't wait to be going there next season. And then, to demonstrate how much of a big fan he was, he started singing QPR songs where we were. And the song he sang really immediately demonstrated to me how long he'd been out of football supporting and how out of touch he was with it. Because he sang, thank you very much for the two points, Chelsea. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very, very much. I was like, two two points? Mate, they switched to three points in about 1984. (laughs) Wow. I wonder if Pancho transported himself back to the early 80s to a safer time. (laughs) Thank you very much for the two. It's a great old-fashioned song as well, isn't it? Have you seen them adverts? Have you seen the new adverts that are on the telly for the cream cakes? Oh, brilliant. (laughs) That was from an advert, wasn't it? Thank you very much. It was, yeah. I can't remember what it was, though. Yeah. Thank you very much. Was it Biscuits? It was bit, they were thanking their nan in it, I think. Yeah. Thank you very much for oh, the... Oh, was it not Rose's Chocolates? For, oh, Street. that's it. Thank you very much for the Rose's grandma. Thank you very much. Something Thank like you very, that. very, very much. Yeah. And some keen-eared football fan changed that into a football chant instead. Yeah, clever. Clever stuff. Some, some clubs have got, like, official chant 
sort of directors, Pumps. haven't they? The, 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 the commission. Does that happening? Is it that? That's the sort of thing you imagine happens in Italy and Germany. I think it happens like, like Manchester United and like big daft clubs like that. They've got. Yes, like, we people. have an executive songwriter yeah. here at Hertha Berlin. We have a cultural um, attaché who is mm. responsible for commissioning and authorizing all of the chants and the songs. I, I hate that. It's like you said about catchphrases the other day. They've got to happen organically. Yeah. If not, they they can fuck off. I noticed you didn't use yours at the beginning of this episode, which makes me well, think it's starting to die out this now. Is a, this is a deep dive episode. Oh, I only use that. that catchphrase right. in the topical episodes. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. So I look forward to that on Friday then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about Brian Kilclain before we go? <laughs> always. I, I, there's always time to discuss Brian Kilcline. Kev's talking about recruitment. We said we needed someone of the calibre of Brian Kilcline with his moustache, <laughs> his yellow mane, and the slightly wild look in his eye that told everyone he meant business. <laughs> oh, he means business, this one, Terry. Oh, he looks like he fucking ripped you apart. He's like Tommy Smith, but less of a cunt. <laughs> we signed him initially on loan from Oldham where he wasn't even getting a game. And his strength of personality was ideal for the position we found ourselves in. Um, even on the bad uh, days, his head never dropped. He was as tough as Teak, absolutely fearless, and determined to repay us for taking a chance on him. He was a ready-made oh, captain. And he was. He was Killer Kill Klein. The main <clears throat> yeah. thing I remembered him for it was a very much a second coming for him because yeah. he had been famous at Coventry City, hadn't he? Yeah. And I don't even remember him going to Oldham. I remember him being really famous at Coventry City and being in their cup winning team in 87. And then it was like he'd drifted out of public life. You thought he might retire. Then suddenly he came back and had a complete second coming, a reincarnation, if you will, at Newcastle, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Iconic is that word, I think, that gets used And I think he looked madder as well. I think uh, Coventry looked a bit mad, but when he re-emerged at Newcastle, his hair and his beard had become longer and yeah, wilder. Yeah, he, he'd, he'd had that sort of perm going on at Coventry, but then it was a ponytail yeah. by the time he was at Newcastle, yeah. and the beard, the beard was grown down to a point like the beard of a wizard. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he um, was like a wizard and a bit like a hell's angel. Yeah. There was a rumour that he used to sleep in a coffin, but I don't know if that's true or not. I wouldn't have put it past him. I think he lived on a barge and he slept in a coffin. That's what I remember. That might not be Is true. That's what people said about him. If if the representatives of the estate of Brian Kilkline are listening to this and would like to get in touch and correct that, we will happily issue an apology and a correction in a later episode. But I believe the fact that Brian Kilkline used to live on a barge and sleep in a coffin. What's nice is, is that after he left, you see so many footballers retire and then, you know, take to drink or mm. get depressed or not really know, have, you know, lack direction in their lives. But it was really nice that he took up with his mate and got that cookery show, The Hairy Bikers. Yeah. That's I'm, a joke I've done there. Sorry, I missed that because I was just looking at something. For, I Googled Brian Kilkline and there's a bit of... Uh, about Lee Clark from his autobiography, um, someone one day cut off Kilkline's ponytail while he was asleep. <laughs> he was sleeping off the intoxicating effects of an afternoon session and someone oh. <laughs> someone cut off his ponytail. Jesus Christ. Uh, Clark did not reveal in the book who was responsible um, because why would you? Even if Kilkline's still alive. Even if Kilkline's yeah, still 85, he finds out he'll hunt you down. Um, yeah. 
He says to say it was to say Kilcline was upset was an understatement. It all kicked off. Tommy Wright and Liam O'Brien jumped in to try and calm him down because Killer, his nickname of course was Killer, yeah. went absolutely berserk. He says he was knocking people out left, right, and centre. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He was dishing out justice, just a, just a yeah. suspect. Rand, if you come near me, yeah. I'm going to assume you're guilty and knock you out. He says he was knocking people out left, right, and centre. It was like a Popeye cartoon. It was pure <laughs> carnage. <laughs> the, the same happened to those who knocked on his bedroom door and tried to protest their innocence. <laughs> it wasn't me, Killer. <laughs> Bang! Bash! <laughs> killer, I'm just knocking round to tell you it weren't. Bang! Oh, fuck. <laughs> what a madman. Yeah. You know, Elsie, remind me, you missed my joke saying that he was like one of the hairy bikers. Yeah. Another person he reminds me of is, you know that, you know in Empire Strikes Back where in the beginning when Luke um, gets attacked by that monster in the snow yeah. who then hangs him upside down? Yeah. He looks a bit like that, doesn't he? Right, I don't know what that yeah. monster's yeah. called. That's another... Um, get on our Instagram and Twitter um, for other, and, and send us other Brian Kilcline lookalikes. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a gallery of them. Um, gallery of them that's about it for this episode it's been a good one I think I'm only sorry that I didn't get your uh, hairy bikers joke Sam I'm really sorry about that I'll do it again now if you want go on do it again now it's really nice because you hear about some footballers after retirement they take to drink they get depressed they lack direction in their lives I thought it was really nice that Brian Kilcline managed to build a second career as a travelling cookery show host with his friend (laughs) on the programme The Hairy Bikers (laughs) I'm saying he looks like one of the hairy bikers (laughs) Thanks for listening everyone Bye 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 This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,